0: Hey guys, Paul here from Meldrum Performance Coaching and the Complete Personal Trainer podcast. In this series, we're talking about the multiple applications of our tools. In the first uh, episode, I talked about the hierarchy of what each tool does. So it's first order, second order, and third order results. I've decided to use first order as a tribute to Star Wars and the last movie, which was terrible, but still deserves a little bit of love for Star Wars. Um, and we talked about cardio in that episode too. So how we can use cardio programming for multiple tools based on what the client needs. In the second episode, we talked about what most PTs are familiar with, which is strength training and how you can use that for multiple purposes and multiple outcomes. In this one, we're gonna talk about mixed modality tools. So these are the tools that we see in the gym that don't give us the best results in one area, but they do give us fantastic results or good results in multiple areas. And it's really important to understand that because a lot of our clients aren't coming to us for the best results in one area, which you know, sounds crazy on first impressions, but they're not, when we think about it, that no, very rarely are our clients coming to us to be the best in one area. So a lot of personal trainers get attached to the barbell or their strength training tools or whatever it is, and they write hypertrophy and strength training programs to their clients, which are no doubt great programs, but the client isn't there to become the strongest person alive or to become the biggest person they could possibly become. They're there to look better, feel better, uh, achieve multiple outcomes. So if we understand what tools we can use, um, then we need to do, um, what tool, what outcomes are, we need to understand what tools are gonna to be best for that, and then we can create programs of a little bit more variety as well, that the clients really enjoy. And one of the things that's come out of the kind of evidence-based community recently is a constant push for what the evidence shows to be best for that outcome. I talked about that in the podcast series, which would be about nearly two weeks ago, about my journey in understanding and disseminating information. Now, all fantastic stuff, but we need to consider the client first. So mixed modality tools are a fantastic tool for personal trainer, for a client that comes into you with multiple goals and multiple things that they want to achieve that they're not looking to become the best in the world at everything. So the four main tools that we see here are kettlebells, Swiss balls, medicine balls, rings, and TRX. Remember, we've already, we can also throw battle ropes into there as well. I just always forget about battle ropes. Uh, we know that with the cardiovascular training exercises, the multiple purposes they can do, none of us are really trying to use a treadmill for hypertrophy, hopefully. Uh, unless we're using the edge of the treadmill to do calf raises for holding a dumbbell. And for strength training, we know that you know you can use it for some kind of cardiovascular outcomes in a circuit, but you are aware of how to do that. Now, kettlebells, they can be used for multiple things. Now are they the best tool for cardio? No, because they don't create a cyclical movement, so things like running, um, Cycling, rowing, etc. They create a cyclical movement that doesn't have anything as a limiting factor. Okay, so generally it's cardiovascular fatigue or burning in like all the muscles becomes a limiting factor. In kettlebell for cardio, it's often grip, for example, or you go into an anaerobic state. So, kettlebells can they be used for cardio? Absolutely, they can be used as part of a cardiovascular program and doing longer repetition, so like timed, longer sets with a kettlebell can be a great way to develop cardiovascular health. For strength, are they the best tool? No, because they can't be loaded as easily as a barbell or a machine or a dumbbell. So kettlebells, the disadvantage is, you know, a lot of gyms don't have kettlebells up to 48 kilos. And even then, like for a row or a deadlift hinge movement, they're not the best tool for that because you can lift more weight in other patterns. So they're useful for strength, but they're not the best for strength. And for hypertrophy, are they the best for that? Well. They're a load. Cool. Uh, can you do multiple reps close to failure? Yeah, absolutely. Do they allow you to target one muscle group with precision? Not as much. Um, and can you add as much uh, localized fatigue to a particular structure? No. But if someone wants to get a little bit of muscle, gain a little bit of strength, and get like a pretty good degree of fitness, so they want to become like a fitter, um version of themselves can kettlebells be a great tool for them absolutely they could be a tool that you use for pretty much their entire programming with some body weight stuff and you'll achieve that client's goals you just need to make sure that your understanding of the acute exercise variables allows them to do that now swiss balls uh would we say they're a good tool for hypertrophy no probably not uh they're not really suited for load but you can't really load up uh like a dumbbell bench press on a Swiss ball, it's not safe. So you got to consider that. They can be used for hamstring hypertrophy because the Swiss ball leg curl or Swiss ball supine hip extension slash knee flexion um, can train the hamstrings metabolically. But is it as good as the um, lying leg curl? No, it's not. But in a pinch, it will do. Can it be used for strength? Uh, In a weaker population, yeah, absolutely. Like, will uh, a strong man get much use out of it? Probably not. But for like an older population, can it be a good tool to use? Absolutely. And can it be used in a rehab environment? Well, that's what they're designed for. So yes, it can. Doing core work on a Swiss ball, stretching on it, using it as a gentle exercise tool is a really fantastic way to do that. So if someone's got some things that need to be rehabbed, it can be a great thing to throw into the program as well. And people generally tend to enjoy using them. Now, medicine balls are they great for hypertrophy and strength no they don't really have the weight to do that they are good for power for rehab and cardiovascular stuff so cardio are they cyclical no but do they get your heart rate up yeah absolutely can you throw them in a circuit hell yeah and are they fun yep absolutely people love throwing stuff around for power they're a fantastic tool uh the thing with developing power and that they're only going to really train the speed component of power the force uh they're not really going to train the load or strength component of it you don't really find like a 200 kilo medicine ball So they're really good for expressing uh, power and velocity. So they can be used for that and they can be used for rehab as well. Uh, We won't go into that too much. Your tools like your rings and TRX. Now, the argument for this is, the TRX is not as good as the rings for hypertrophy because you don't have as much absolute load. Can you get some hypertrophy out of it, some strength? Yes, absolutely. A high level, absolutely not. So for an older base population, they're really, really good. Do they have a stability component which can work for rehabilitation, yes, absolutely. Cool, let's use rings for that. Terex. Now, the rings are a little bit different. The argument for rings is that gymnasts are jacked, and they are. Gymnasts are huge, gymnasts have got a lot of muscle, uh, lots of things happening. Uh, their arms, shoulders, pecs, etc., are phenomenal. But is it the fastest way to get there for most people? Is there an element of skill? that most people don't have on the rings and takes a long time to develop to get those outcomes which could be developed a lot quicker, yes. And you have people saying, well, they activate the stabilizers and that's why you'll get better hypertrophy. That's the exact reason why you won't get better hypertrophy because the stabilizers are the limiting factor. Your ability to output force is limited by that. So if you want to drive hypertrophy in the muscle, your better option is to fire from a stable surface. So the Prime movers aren't inhibited by the stabilizers. It's like when you do a dip on the rings for the first time, you shake like crazy because your stabilizers can't do that. You jump onto a normal dip bar, you bust out a set of 20 to 30, you're going, well, that's pretty good. Uh, but what will happen is that you're doing putting so much more work into the prime movers, you will get better hypertrophy outcomes. And because there's less stability required, uh, there's less neurological demand, there's less overall systemic fatigue. So this is one of those things when you need to question these tools. So like I've seen big guys using kettlebells and their arms are pretty jacked. Oh, the kettlebells must be the tool. Uh, No, they're not the tool. It's just a tool that can do that. It's not the most efficient way to do that. So these guys have been using kettlebells consistently for like 10, 15 years, that's why it's worked. So guys, hopefully from this series, you've learned a lot about the different tools we have in the gym and how we can use them to achieve multiple goals. What I want you to do with this, is go look at your programs, go look at the client, who the program is for, and look at their goals. Look at, does your use of the different tools that we have in the gym match up with that client's goals? And could you possibly simplify or add some more variety to their program, using these tools in a better way to get them a better outcome? To do that, all you need to do is think critically about what you've done and then also look at your outcome-based measuring system to see if you are helping your client get to that goal, which is the purpose of another podcast. Thanks teams guys, speak to you soon.